You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to the Weekly Web Foot Review. We're excited about the Vegas Bowl, baby. The podcast that keeps you fresh with the latest happenings in the world of Oregon Ducks athletics. Oregon remains an extremely powerful national brand. Freddie and Luke and all the guys going back. Aaron, they've all had a big, big part of this. Now, here's your host. Our guys have done well in our approach, which is win the day. Jordan Schultz. Welcome into episode four of the weekly Webfoot Review. That's right. Welcome back. Welcome to all you new listeners. This is the best podcast around about Oregon Ducks athletics. And it comes to you every week from SB Nation and AddictedToQuack.com. So be sure as you're downloading to give the show a five-star rating on iTunes. Follow us on Spotify. This is the place to get your Ducks fix any time of the year. I mean, we're in May right now. And I got a lot on my mind about the Ducks. I want to talk. I want to talk about the men's basketball situation, the women's basketball situation, recruiting, what's going on with the football program. A lot to talk about involving their recruiting situation this week as well. I, I, I care so much about the Ducks. I care just as much as you fans do out there. I mean, possibly more. I, I'm the kind of dude where I am either best case or worst case scenario. So I'm just hoping every single year that the Ducks can win a national championship. That's it's national championship or bust for me. That's the kind of fan that I am. That's how I root for the Ducks. I expect greatness from that program. And I truly believe that they're a top tier power five school that deserves to be in that championship discussion year after year, not just the football team, but men's and women's basketball too. I mean, Maybe I'm spoiled after watching Chip Kelly and Mark Helfrich take the football team to two national championships. Maybe watching Oregon win four Pac-12 titles in six seasons on the football field has also jaded me a little bit. Heck, maybe watching Oregon men and women getting to the final four both in the last three years has given me reason to hope for greatness. So I've got no shame. No shame for my level of expectations for the Oregon Ducks. And hopefully that little rant gives you some insight into how I think as a Ducks fan. I just, I'm not going to hate on the Ducks not getting to a national championship if and when they don't. Because obviously they're not going to do it every year. My point is, I truly believe that the status of the program, all of the eyes in Eugene nationally looking at that program, it's viewed a heck of a lot different than it was even 20 years ago. Lots to get to this week. We're going to take a quick look at the men's basketball team and continue to follow changes with their roster. Actually, some news this week about one of their recruits. He is now a five-star recruit, and that's important. I'll tell you why coming up. Also, the Lady Ducks getting a couple of commitments for 2020. That is huge following after next season. You're obviously going to lose Sabrina Unescu. So I'll tell you who they are and why one of those recruits 
has been touted to be the best possible player in a long time coming into the University of Oregon. Yes, even after Sabrina Unescu. There's more greatness on the way, folks. Also, more recruiting news on the football side of things for the Oregon Ducks. Yeah, this week, the Ducks losing out on the nation's top quarterback prospect. So where do they go from here? Also, a familiar face returning to the Oregon sidelines, a name of the pretty recent past. I think a lot of Duck fans, young and old, will remember this guy. I'll tell you who's back on the University of Oregon sidelines and also got to spend a couple of minutes breaking down some mad props that Dylan Mitchell, now a Vikings wide receiver in the NFL, got this week from a former NBA All-Star. So I'll tell you all about that. And to wrap up the show, this week in Ducks history, our weekly feature, I'll remind you, this has to do with our subject of this week in Ducks history. I'm going to remind you the last thing that Mike Bellotti did before he resigned as athletic director. So a lot of cool memories to go over and talk about in our weekly feature this week in Ducks history. But getting right into it, let's tip off this week's show with a look at men's basketball. Of course, a lot of questions surrounding their roster and not that many answers. Feels like I'm watching an episode of Lost at this point. What was that old Dane Cook joke about Lost? I got 50 new questions and no bleeping answers. It's just like, Week to week, I am wondering a lot what's going to happen with the Oregon Ducks football team. By the way, the writers have lost. If you haven't heard, yes, it is true. They wrote themselves into a corner. So go find that on the internet if you really do want to read about that. That's why I'm talking like this about that TV show, comparing it to this situation. I just have more questions after every week at this point. It's like I just watched an episode. I mean, we can make some reasonable predictions, though, about what guys will do. So I'll spend a few minutes trying to do that. It is important to point out, I just mentioned that four-star recruit C.J. Walker getting upgraded to a composite five-star recruit because of different qualifications being used. So now Oregon has the ability to say that they have grabbed a five-star recruit in each of the last three seasons. That's a whole new world for the Oregon Ducks. And it's one of the major reasons that I was talking about believing in their ability to compete for a championship from year to year. The program's national status is better than it's ever been. This is the time for guys like Mario Cristobal and Dana Altman here in this particular situation to cash in and keep the recruiting cupboards flowing and full. But we still need to figure out what Dana Altman's roster will look like for next season. Now, five-star recruit forward C.J. Walker, add him to four-star Chandler Lawson. Chandler Lawson coming out of Tennessee. Nice, nice piece. Six-eight small forward. Looks like he's going to be playing a lot of minutes for the Oregon Ducks next year since they have so many people that are leaving. So C.J. Walker, Chandler Lawson, The JUCO Player of the Year, Chris Duarte. That is right, Chris Duarte. What a stud coming to the University of Oregon. A transfer from Northwest Florida State College. And like I just mentioned, winning the JUCO Player of the Year Award. 19 points, 7 rebounds, and made 40% of his 3-point tries. I think the Ducks are going to be seeing a lot of Chris Duarte next season. And he'll be a pretty potent combo with Peyton Pritchard if 
Peyton Pritchard does come back. So looking at CJ Walker, Chandler Lawson, Chris Duarte, transfer from Duquesne, Eric Williams Jr., those guys making up the new faces for the Ducks next year. Add them to Francis Okoro and Will Richardson, as well as hopefully Peyton Pritchard and Kenny Wooten, who will most likely be back. Then sparingly used guys like Will Johnson last year. Luke Osborne was a walk-on. We'll see if they get one or two of the last spots remaining on the Oregon Ducks basketball team this year. That right there is most likely what the 2019-2020 Ducks men's team will look like. Now, once again, it's worth mentioning that Peyton Pritchard and Kenny Wooten have until May 29th to decide if they want to come back to the University of Oregon. They really get a nice opportunity to go and test the waters. I believe that Peyton Pritchard is going to the G League Combine. Same with Kenny Wooten. Obviously, Lewis King, he is headed to the actual NBA Combine. So Peyton Pritchard not really expecting to get drafted this year. I don't think Kenny Wooten is either, but they're in a win-win situation by having the ability to check their status out at the next level while still having the University of Oregon to fall back on. It's important to give these guys some say over their future. That There's a lot to be excited about, though, because of that, when you take a hard look at this roster. So adding that Pritchard and Wooten will probably be back, <laughs> Oregon, on top of that, is on a lot of five-star recruits for next season as well, for the class of 2020. I got to hand it to Dana Altman. Uh, this complete turnaround that has happened in Eugene has set the Ducks up for long-term success. There's a reason he's currently under contract until 2026. CJ Walker, for example, is ranked as the second best ever basketball recruit at Oregon by 24-7 sports. In history, even though they lost out on Cole Anthony, they were in the discussion. I mean, remember when the Ducks were invisible in the world of college basketball? Oh, the peak was about 20 years ago for that feeling, but they have slowly but surely climbed their way up the prestige ladder. Ernie Kent laid the foundation, had a couple of off years. Dana Altman built on it after his hiring. Now it's time to take it to the next level and start winning titles. So the Ducks men have a lot of good players Coming next season, we'll see what the final roster looks like here in a few weeks and keep hoping for the growth of the Ducks men's program. Now, shifting gears, the Lady Ducks are busy adding recruits for their 2020 class as well. In the last couple of weeks, they have gotten three commitments. They grabbed the 11th ranked player in 2020, Sydney Parrish. Soon after, got Angela Dugalich as well. Now, Coach Kelly Graves adding another five-star point guard, Tahina Pow Pow to that list. She announced that she would be going to Oregon on May 4th and chose the Ducks over Oregon State, UCLA, and others. She's been labeled as possibly the best ever to come out of San Diego. And I'll tell you what, the Lady Ducks have so much to be excited about after their Final Four run. Congrats to Tahina Pow Pow for choosing U of O. I think it's going to be a great decision for her and the growth of her career lining up with the sort of explosion on the national scene with this University of Oregon's ladies basketball team. It's going to line up great. And I think Kelly Graves has a shot to continue to compete for a national championship and getting back to the final four. They have to be early favorites to win the NCAA tourney just next year, though, coming in with Sabrina Uneski returning. And then after she's gone, like I said, 
when you got Pow Pow and gals like Sydney Parrish and Angela Dugalich coming in, the future for the Lady Ducks is pretty bright. And just for the record, they need to sell Lady Ducks jerseys for fans to buy. I cannot believe it took them getting good for that to be a discussion. If you're trying to up the status and optics of a sport, aren't selling jerseys a great way to do so? I think that's smart. And whoever didn't think of that is not smart. But good on University of Oregon's women's basketball and Kelly Graves for getting a lot of great players to fill that cupboard for the Lady Ducks as well. I really think that they can compete for a national championship for years to come. All right, next, we'll shift to Ducks football and talk about why Oregon lost out on the top quarterback recruit in the nation. And to answer the question, where they go from here. They've got a plan in place, and I'll tell you what that is next on the weekly Webfoot review from SB Nation and AddictedToQuack.com. This is the weekly web foot review. Jordan Schultz sitting in with you for SB Nation and addicted to quack.com. Let's dive right into our football news this week. Oregon losing out on the top quarterback recruit of the 2020 class. DJ Uagalele announcing that he is headed to Clemson. I hope I said that right. And of course, playing for the national champions. This is a bit of a disappointment for the Ducks really hoping to get someone like you, in to compete with Tyler Shuck to be that next guy up after Justin Herbert graduates. But Mario Cristobal and company have already shifted their focus. They're now heading after four-star quarterback, Jay Butterfield, the recruit out of California. He's the nation's number two pro style passer and has got that big arm as well as pocket presence. This is according to 24 seven sports. Actually, sounds kind of like Tyler Shuck. He's tall at 6'6", but skinny, has that frame to get bigger. Most kids at that age are, unless you're like a lineman or a tight end or something. You're not as beefy, especially a quarterback like that. I remember Brian Bennett coming to the University of Oregon. Remember Marcus Mariota coming to the University of Oregon. Arms looking a little thin. Have some weight to gain. Have some work to do in the weight room. So Butterfield has a body that he can grow into at 6'6". So that big arm... Pocket awareness. Despite those offers, though, from other schools like Arizona, Cal, Colorado, Oregon State on the list as well. Sounds like Jay had a great visit to Eugene last month. And most people looking in from the outside think that it's almost a foregone conclusion that he will sign with the Ducks. If he does, he will be the highest rated quarterback commitment since Dennis Dixon and only the third ever top 100 national prospect to commit last one being Kellen Clemens. Now this doesn't concern me too much. I hope Oregon can lock Butterfield down, but I'm pretty confident that Tyler Shuck is going to be ready to start next season and be the guy at the university of Oregon. I see those early signs. He's got that confidence. He can stay in the pocket. We saw that during the spring game. He made some decent throws. Now real game action in a spring game against your own teammates is different, but the poise is there, and he's got that big arm to get them to the college football playoff. So I'm not too concerned about them getting a guy like Jay Butterfield or losing out on the top quarterback recruit going to Clemson. I mean, Clemson's going to get guys. Dabo Sweeney, obviously, just getting that big contract extension. So he's using his status to wrangle in as many of the best guys that he can. They're turning into the Alabama of the last three years. They're just getting all the best players, and I guess... Oregon's got to get used to it, but they've still got a lot of great recruits coming in and Tyler Shuck 
has a very similar skill set to a guy like Jay Butterfield. So whether all of this will come together for Tyler Shuck in the next three years, talking about, you know, the ability to stand strong in the pocket, all of those nice long throws that he can make, it, that remains to be seen if this is all going to come together. And it's not like Oregon has nothing going on. First, got to worry about Justin Herbert and what the heck he's going to do going into this season. To a tag of Iloa, probably the Heisman Trophy favorite, but Justin Herbert's on that list too, and the Ducks should be competing for a national championship this year. Speaking of that, another super early look at the top 25 coming out this week, and this time around, USA Today decided to throw the Ducks in the top 10. That's right, a strong spring gave them a boost into the ninth spot in the nation. Washington and Stanford also on the list, and then Auburn, who Oregon opens up their season against on August 31st in Texas, checked in at number 16. So it's going to be a pretty big early season matchup for both of those teams. I must not be the only one that thinks Justin Herbert can take Oregon to the college football playoff, though. With 10 returning starters on offense, including the entire offensive line, this could be Oregon's year. Javon Holland coming back after leading the team in interceptions. Troy Dye on the defensive side, leading them in tackles last year. And the addition of Kayvon Thibodeau kind of forces a smile on my face about where the Ducks are at. You want a team that's talented as well as experienced in college football. You don't really see any teams of freshmen ever winning a national title, at least all freshmen. This team has a lot of starts under its belt. And Mario Cristobal seemed to get players to buy into what he was selling. That culture that Oregon's known for is back. The drama with Willie Taggart is all done. And Mario most likely feels more comfortable than ever with where his team's at and knows that he can just grit down and focus on football. Can we just kick off already? <laughs> this team has too many good things to talk about. I, I really feel like a kid on Christmas morning waiting for his presents. Let me open the big one, Mom. I want to watch Oregon football now, please. Well, now we still got about three months to wait. And one football note, by the way, according to Bruce Feldman from MPS1, the Ducks hiring former quarterback Nate Costa to be an offensive analyst. He actually held the same job with UCLA last year under Chip. I remember that announcement uh, thinking, oh, Chip's bringing in one of his guys. Good for him. Well, Oregon's stealing him away. Of course, Costa was also a graduate assistant at Oregon from 2013 to 2015, so should be like putting on an old glove for Nate. And for those of you wondering what an offensive analyst is, an analyst works sort of like a scout. They gather as much info on their upcoming opponent as possible and then help coaches game plan for certain situations. So pretty basic explanation of what they do, although it is important to point out they can't coach players and they aren't allowed on headsets during games. So look for Nate Costa on the sidelines next season. It's going to be pretty cool. Another familiar face rejoining the Ducks as an offensive analyst. All right, stick around. We've got to get to this week in Ducks history. And first, I'll tell you which college basketball coach thinks Dylan Mitchell got drafted way too low this year. That's coming up next. Jordan Schultz sitting in with you on the weekly Webfoot Review from SB Nation and AddictedToQuack.com. 
This is the weekly web foot review from SB Nation and Addicted to Quack.com. Jordan Schultz sitting in with you. We've been talking a lot of basketball news for the Oregon Ducks, a four-star men's recruit getting upgraded to a five-star recruit this week. Also, a five-star recruit out of San Diego signing with the Lady Ducks, Tahina Pow Pow. Big news going on all over Ducks athletics. Of course, the college football team for Oregon hiring Nate Costa to come back as an offensive analyst for them. They lost out on one of the top recruits, actually the top recruit at quarterback in the nation, shifting their attention to Jay Butterfield out of California. But to add to that, Dylan Mitchell, former Ducks wide receiver now, getting some mad props from, for me, an unexpected source, getting some mad props from former NBA All-Star Penny Hardaway. That's right, Penny, currently the head coach at the University of Memphis, talking this week a couple things about recent Vikings draft pick Dylan Mitchell, dropping to the seventh round in the draft, which was much lower than people had expected. Penny Hardaway talking to SKOLNorth.com, saying that Minnesota, this is a quote, Minnesota got a steal. He's a guy fans need to keep their eye on. He was surprised to see him go so low in the draft, but scouts and GMs did have legitimate concerns, wondering if his breakout season at Oregon was a fluke. I mean, he almost doubled his stats from his sophomore year to his junior year. So I think a lot of NFL GMs and scouts want to see consistency, want to see the ability that Dylan Mitchell has over a 16-game season in the NFL. Still, Penny thinks he dropped way too low, saying another quote, when I saw that seventh round, I thought this is not where he should have been drafted. So Penny knows Dylan from his time in high school in the state of Tennessee and talked about how great of an athlete Mitchell was. Dylan was an absolute stud, it sounds like. He played basketball in high school as well as winning Tennessee's Gatorade player of the year for football during his senior year. So jealous. I was not that athlete when I was a kid. Despite dropping to the seventh round, Mitchell has told reporters that he wants to use that as motivation. And Penny Hardaway thinks that motivation is going to give him the boost to prove everyone wrong. And I would agree. I mean, Dylan's got a lot to prove after leaving Oregon a year early, only to end up in the seventh round. But it sounds like he's also got a legitimate chance to fill the number three wideout slot for the Vikings. So good luck to you, Dylan Mitchell. I want you to succeed. I still think that you should have stayed at Oregon, but I really hope that you proved me wrong. All right, now to our final feature of the week, a weekly feature this week in Ducks history. A focus on the hiring of men's basketball coach Dana Altman. He was hired around this time of the year to coach Oregon on April 14th in 2010. So now nine years ago. Signed a seven-year contract at that time at almost $2 million a year in salary. He was hired out of Creighton and was someone that made Ducks fans turn their noses a bit at first. Now, I remember Oregon fans at the time losing a lot of interest in the basketball program because of how mediocre they were and just sending straight-up bad teams out onto the court, so attendance was down. And if you don't remember, one of the last things that Mike Bellotti did before resigning was firing Ernie Kent. That's right. That was one of his last acts as athletic director. Literally resigned a couple of weeks after that. And 
I still remember it like it was yesterday. Fans were screaming for a huge name. Tom Izzo, Mark Few out of Gonzaga, and then former athletic director Pat Kilkenny had to step in at the last minute to lead that search for the Ducks. I think they had retained a search firm at the time, but looking back, it looks like that former AD Pat Kilkenny had a lot to do with that decision as well. So after a search lasting a couple of weeks, they ended up settling on the lesser known but consistent coach in Altman. He was an excellent X's and O's guy at Creighton, and he turned their tiny program into a winner, got them to the NCAA tournament. And at Oregon, he obviously hasn't disappointed. He's won three Pac-12 tourneys, Pac-12 coach of the year three times, taken the Ducks to the Elite Eight twice, and made the Final Four back in 2017. Remember that team led by Dylan Brooks, Tyler Dorsey, Jordan Bell, that was one of the best Ducks basketball teams of all time. Though, I think the kid in me wants to still think of that early 2000s team with Freddie Jones, Luke Ridenour, Luke Jackson, that being one of the best teams for Oregon in their history, but they didn't ever get to the Final Four. Dorsey and Bell and Brooks did, so they're better. Pretty easy to make that decision. So Dana Altman's contract currently running through 2026, so... With all the success he's had in recruiting and the success on the court for Oregon as well, looks like he's going to be in Eugene for a long time. If it weren't for him, the Ducks basketball team would never have gotten the national status and recruiting power it does today. Oregon fans, thank your lucky stars for the subject of this week in Ducks history, Dana Altman. They wouldn't be where they are today if Dana Altman wouldn't have been hired at the University of Oregon. Who knows? Tom Izzo, Mark Few, maybe that would have been a decent hire. But looking back, can you honestly say that Dana Altman was the incorrect hire now? We have the benefit of hindsight, so let's ask the question. Was Dana Altman the right choice? I think it's an obvious, resounding yes. Maybe one thing that I would like to change, and I don't think this is necessarily Dana Altman's fault. This is college basketball and the status of it, just so many one and dones right now. Get the high school players back into the NBA. All right. If you want to go out of high school, go. It's so disheartening to see more and more guys. I still remember when Carmelo Anthony did it at Syracuse back in 03, I think it was, when they won the NCAA title under Jim Beheim. It's like, yo, Carmelo. Stay another year, maybe develop a little bit more. It's not like he needed to, but it's just so frustrating to go back and look at that and just see kind of it was like a landslide of kids doing that after Carmelo Anthony left after one season and then the rule change making high school players ineligible for the NBA draft further just decided that. So I really wish that I say that I, I want Oregon's basketball teams to be a little bit more consistent roster-wise from year to year. It would be nice if they could have the same guys that are talented enough for the NBA but want to stick around. It's so annoying to me as a college basketball fan watching people like Peyton Pritchard, and no knock on Peyton Pritchard, but the guys that aren't going to go in the first round, the guys that maybe would go late in the second round or just try and catch on somewhere in a training camp at the NBA – those are the only guys that are sticking around for four years most of the time. I really want that to change. But in any case, Dana Altman having the University of Oregon in the spot where he wants them in the spot 
that he hopes to get them to at this point should be bringing in five-star recruits to the University of Oregon for a long time. All right, that's going to do it for the fourth edition of the weekly Webfoot Review. We'll continue all this duck talk through the dead of summer every week. Expect a weekly look at the rest of the Pac-12 conference. We're going to do that. We're going to get some great guests through the summer. I'm out to quite a few already to talk to regarding how the Ducks football team is going to do, what the Ducks basketball team situation will be, recruiting-wise, roster-wise for both the men's and ladies. We've got a lot to cover as we get into the summer. And please, find me on Twitter if you have any questions about the Ducks that you want answered. It's SportyJordy11. That's right, SportyJordy, J-O-R-D-Y, 11. I'd love ideas for topics. If you just want to give a shout-out, you can do that too. I want to start connecting with the podcast listeners out there with the Duck fans. This is your show. This is a show by a Duck fan for Ducks fans. And I am just here to be the conduit of Ducks information and offer up my take. And my take is that I want the Ducks to be good. So that's about as simple as I can put it. And if you want the Ducks to be good too, let's talk about it. But seriously, I want to hear what is on your mind through this offseason. I want to hear any burning questions that you have going into the summer. So once again, tweet at me. It's at SportyJordy11, at SportyJordy, the number 11. All right, that's it for the fourth edition of the Weekly Webfoot Review. I'm Jordan Schultz, and I'll talk to you next week. Go Ducks! The Weekly Webfoot Review, the podcast.